Hello, hello, happy Friday. I hope everyone's week is going well. Thank you so much for tuning in each week. I so appreciate it. If you are a longtime listener or even a newbie, I'm so grateful that you tune in each week. It truly keeps me going. And I really hope that you find a lot of value from each episode because I'm truly working hard to, you know, discuss topics with experts and other individuals who are specialized in these industries to bring value to your life so it can just be really readily available. So before we jump into today's episode, I do want to say that we are discussing eating disorders. So if you have an active eating disorder and it might be a trigger for you, I would suggest that you push pause here and listen to one of the other episodes that I have available and then feel free to join us um, again on Tuesday as there will be a new episode then. I would just hate for this episode to be a trigger when we're going deep into eating disorders and anxiety and things like that. So if that is the case for you, feel free to just join us next week. All right, without further ado, let's talk about today's episode. Um, Today's guest is a super special one. Um, We actually go way back and we met in high school. Um, I'm really, really, really excited that we've been able to reconnect and chat about real life topics that are impacting millions of people each and every day. Miss Kaylin Griffiths has battled with anxiety and an eating disorder since she was in middle school. Then throughout her high school career, her eating disorder continued and eventually impacted her life to the point where she had to seek professional help and eventually had to step away from the sport she once loved to get herself healthy. Ultimately, though, this was the best decision for Kaylin as she was able to surround herself with new friends and focus what was best for her, which was getting herself healthy and overcoming anorexia. She now uses her experience and story to share with the world that it is possible to overcome something that once controlled her entire life. This episode is powerful, it's emotional, it goes into mental health, eating disorders, how to, you know, reach out and get help. Um, We discuss so much on this episode, it's amazing, and I'm so thankful that Kaylin um, was able to share her story with you guys, so I hope you find it powerful as well, and without further ado, I'll see you on the other side, and we'll get the show on the road. Has 2020 been a year or what? Since many of us are currently at home spending so much of our time there, it's finally the ideal time to do all of the things that we said we've been wanting to do. This includes self-care. Some of my favorite ways to slow down and show myself some love is in the evening as I'm getting ready for bed, I just take a few extra minutes with my skincare routine and use one of Rodan and Field's face masks. I'm currently loving the Unblemished Clarifying Mask. 
This is a blemish fighting formula that uses sulfur to instantly reduce excess oil and shine while preventing new pimples from forming over time. This mask has been a total game changer. With clean and clear skin while training 10 plus hours a week for a triathlon, my skin has honestly never looked or felt better. Rodan and Fields has a variety of options when it comes to their face masks. For example, the Redefine Rejuvenation Mask is a bubbling, hydrating gel that uses exfoliating beads to refresh and smooth skin while instantly hydrating and visibly smoothing fine lines and wrinkles over time. Or maybe it's the reverse gold-tinted radiance mask for you that revives your skin and creates more of an even skin tone and texture. Or if you have really sensitive skin, the Soothe Mask might be for you, which calms the skin, reducing visible redness and neutralizes irritants for softer, smoother skin. The Recharge Charcoal Detox Mask is a deep exfoliation that removes impurities from skin and detoxifies plus draws out environmental pollutants. This one is good for anyone and everyone. Truly, you can't go wrong with any of these masks. They are life-changing. It's such a great way to slow down in the evening and spend just 10 minutes of your life relaxing and letting the products do all of the work. Enjoy saving 10% and receive free shipping on orders over $80 when you sign up as a preferred cu customer. And I'll sweeten the pot by letting you know that if you are a new customer, I will personally reimburse your preferred customer enrollment fee when you place an order and send a screenshot to my podcast Instagram at the Ali McGee podcast. The product link will be in the show notes so you can place an order today. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Allie on the Allie McGee podcast, and I am here with Kaylin Griffiths. Um, we actually go way back. We connected. We know each other from high school. We actually played volleyball together against each other, all the things. Um, and she has a really, really powerful story. So I'm excited to have her on the show, pick her brain, and learn from her amazing life experiences that have made her strong. So she is an eating disorder advocate and mother. So thank you so much, Kaylin, for coming on the show. I'm excited to chat. I'm so excited, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Um, I saw that you were posting some videos and sharing about your um, story with eating disorders on Facebook, and then they have now um, progressed and transformed to YouTube. But you just have this powerful story that dates back to high school where, was it in high school when your eating disorders started? Um, could you kind of maybe, we'll start with like where it started and what, how it maybe like stemmed um, yeah. from there? How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, it actually started kind of for me when I was in middle school. Um, I remember um, just really dealing with depression and anxiety, like show up to school and um, just feel like um, I would like cry for no reason. And I just had a lot of social anxiety. 
um, I remember I call, I would call my dad a lot um, from school and like, I couldn't put words to it, but I was like, just, I just don't feel well. Um, and that was when I really started to control my eating. Um, and I did lose quite a bit of weight, um, either my seventh grade or eighth grade year. Um, however, and I did go see a primary care physician at the time, um, but it wasn't anything so serious that it required like inpatient treatment or anything like that. Um, and I kind of like pulled myself out of it, but it really came back, um, full force my junior year of high school. Mm. Um, you were a, an amazing volleyball player. How did, um, your story kind of impact your volleyball career? I know you had to step away because of it. Um, but I think, you know, volleyball is like a small sliver it, during the time of high school, it's like your entire life. It's like your identity. But then like looking back, it's like, mm, it was a small sliver. Like we are so much more than like high school volleyball players. Um, how was it to deal with that transition of having to step away um, and focus on yourself? Like what did that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it was um... – it's crazy. I could do like a whole like sports and have an expert in sports psychology by any means. Um, but definitely, and I'm a volleyball coach now as well. Um, so I feel really blessed to have gone through my eating disorder during the time that I was a volleyball player, because I feel like I can teach my girls, um, that I know how much pressure it is and I know how, um, kind of ugly it can get, especially the older that you yeah. Um, I think that, you know, my body was, you know, I didn't have the words. I didn't have the skills. To be like, look, mom and dad, like, I'm really not enjoying this anymore. This isn't what I want to do. Um, there's so much pressure. There's politics. Um, and so I really think that my body just kind of went into survival mode. And I literally, like, shrunk myself away to the point where I physically couldn't play the sport anymore. So then I was forced to kind of um, just get really dig down into my roots and um, see, you know, what else am I besides a volleyball player? Because it totally does become, you know, your living, breathing life. The moment it, it feels like that. So mm, 100%. I like looking back during the time, I was so concerned about what I would look like in a uniform in spandex that, and I also didn't have the proper tools to be able to eat healthy and fuel for performance versus fuel for just looking good in the spandex and uniform, you know? Um, so it was, it was a really, really crazy time because I don't know, I would always compare myself to others. It's a huge thing I've gone through in my entire life and still, you know, struggle with today. Um, is comparing of like, okay, other girls in my position look like X, Y, and Z. So I need to look like X, Y, and Z. And they're all like super buff and fit and skinny. And so it's like, I have to look like that. I feel like that was going through my head at all times. And so it pulled away from what I could even contribute on the court and how I would play. Um, because when I feel like when you're so focused on 
what you look like and how like, oh, this one little like role is over here and like all these things. It's like you can't even focus on what you're doing and like playing the sport like fully, which is really sad now that I'm looking at it. But like I was so concerned about what other people thought of me too. Like terrible. Um and like what high school boys thought of me. Barf in my mouth now that I'm saying that. <laughs> Um, so I think I am so proud of you for stepping away and really, you know, focusing on yourself because at the end of the day, like, did any of us turn pro volleyball? <laughs> like, is there even an option? Like, no, we all just became washed up volleyball players after our senior year. Nothing really exciting happened from it. So yeah, it probably sucked in the moment. Um, but I'm so proud of you for doing what was best for you. Because at the end of the day, like, you are the only person who you get to live with. So you might as well enjoy the body that you live in um it was i'm sure it was like not an easy decision was it your choice to step away or did you have help during that time um so i literally i mean when i say i i didn't have the skill like i i literally felt like i was controlling food and i was getting smaller and smaller and smaller that like my coach you know my coaches approached me talked to me about it um, I wasn't prepared to change anything. You know, I wasn't committed to the sport anymore, but I felt so much pressure to stay because my parents had invested so much time and so much money. That's where all my friends were. Um, I didn't know anything else. And so mm -hmm. I slowly started you know, less and less playing time, which yeah. I was okay with because I really want the playing time anyways. Yeah. And then, um, I, my last season of club volleyball my junior year and then um by the summer going into my senior year that's when I had started getting professional help um and mm -hmm. I had pretty much decision right after that last club season that I wasn't going to go out for um for senior year volleyball mm. it's it's crazy how life just kind of like works and I feel like you kind of know like your gut instincts you your mind tonight might not believe you, but like your gut is telling you, you're like, I can't do this anymore. Um, so let's kind of jump into, you said all of your friends were volleyball players. It's, it's pretty much all you knew because so volleyball is in the fall. Then you play club through the winter and the spring. It ends around May and then boom, you know, um, summer for high school starts. Um, so you're literally engulfed in this sport um, when you stepped away, did your friend group change? How, like, what did that look like? Um, and how'd you deal with it? Um, yeah, absolutely. So when I was first confronted, um, kind of at the school level with my eating disorder, um, I got called into the counselor's office and I didn't know who it was that had reported it, but the counselor just said that some people had reported um, concerns about my weight. Um, and then I went and I told a couple of my best volleyball friends, I was like, guys, like you all, you'll have no idea what just happened. Like, I just got called into the counselor's office. Like they're talking about my weight. Like, that's so weird. And they were actually like, Kaylin, like that was us that, um, that talked to the, the school counselor. And, um, I was really hurt that they didn't feel like they could confront me about it. Um, in front of me, however, looking back, like, 
I think that was like, if we ever teach anything to our kids, like it's, you know, if you don't know who to talk to, go find an adult that you trust. And, you know, ultimately it did um, kind of, that was kind of the big kickstart to um, my recovery. And as far as maintaining those relationships, um, I have this like vague memory. I was really sick at the time, so I wasn't thinking super clearly, but I did try to um, still spend time with my volleyball friends, at least at first. um, And they kind of knew what I was going through. And I had some good times with them. Um, But one time I remember I actually wanted to go to one of the open gyms um, in the summer for the seniors to go and like hang out and watch. And I was expecting to be like, hey, Kaylin, you know, how are you? And it was bizarre. Like, I think people were just so shocked at how thin that I had gotten that like people were afraid to talk to me. Um, And that was when I really realized like, okay, this isn't my safe circle anymore. Like, um, so I really kind of detached and um, I bonded with another um, friend who I had been friends with throughout high school, but she didn't play volleyball. So she was kind of separate from um, that core friend group. And she ended up getting diagnosed with type one diabetes the same year that I was dealing with my anorexia. So we really kind of like joined at the hip and we powered through my senior year together. Um, So I was really, really blessed to have that close friendship, but I definitely um, made a huge, huge step back from my volleyball friends and kind of the popular crowd, so to speak. Whoa. Um, I'm shook. I'm getting like emotional because I'm like, um, whoa, that's hard. It's hard to lose friends. Um, Whoa. (laughs) Your story is like so powerful because I feel like I've experienced that. in my early adulthood of like I went through some eating disorders and got super thin and it was the crowd like the top five people who you hang out with most have a direct influence on all of your you know how you are influenced in life so if it's not a positive influence you have to change it um and so it was really really hard to like change my eating habits, change how I thought about myself, change my friend group, change, you know, what I do on the weekends all at once. Um, and like, I wasn't even in high school and you have all these other pressures of like seeing these people like every single day. So I'm so proud of you for making those changes. It's obviously not easy. Um, but I think also finding the right person to click and vibe with um, to help get you through those tough times can like make a world of difference. Um, wow. Amazing. Um, okay. So I have, a, I have some things around here asking about asking for help. I just did a podcast about asking for help because it's not easy. Um, and kind of like you said, your friends went to the counselors and you just felt a little like almost like betrayed. Does that sound like that they couldn't come to you? Um, If I were in that position, I know that I would not have received it well, like from my friends or I wouldn't have believed them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like going to the counselor was the best option in this situation. Um, Do you think that you would have received the information well if you were confronted by your friends or do you think they went about it the right way? You know, I think 
like I said, at the time I was really hurt by it and I felt really betrayed, but I think that I was so sick and kind of sneaky. I think that my eating disorder, you know, it, it wasn't coldy, like boom, all of a sudden I stopped eating. Um, I actually got really, really into like fitness and nutrition and I kind of got like negatively addicted to that healthy lifestyle. But because I kind of started out that way, I think people just kind of assumed that that's what I was doing all along when in reality, um, I had started off that way and it was healthy and there were positive changes happening. Um, and then before I knew it, I was avoiding eating in front of people. I wasn't hanging out with my friends because I didn't want them to see me not eating. Um, and I think that I probably would have just kind of blown it off and been like, oh no, like you guys know that I just like to eat super healthy. Um, I'm fine, you know, and um, I think my friends knew that too. I think my friends knew that I wasn't going to, um, I wasn't just going to be like, oh guys, you're right. You know, I'm really suffering. I'm really hurting. I wasn't in a place, um, especially at that point to really kind of surrender um, and acknowledge that I really did um, need to get help. So it was really my loved ones around me. Um, so I would definitely say that, you know, keep an eye on the people that you love. If you notice a change in their eating habits or, you know, lower energy, or if they work out a lot and you're finding they're not able to anymore. Um, like it sucks. Nobody wants to be that person that like goes and tells a school counselor on you. Um, but ultimately like, I'm going to remember that forever and I'm so grateful for them. And I think that that was so brave of my friends to do that. Probably even more brave than confronting me in person, honestly. Yeah. Um, just really, especially at our age to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think it put the right information in the right hands so that you could truly get the help that you needed because it sounds like it was almost a mask of like this fitness nutrition that you were using to hide the anorexia, um, which I think it happens like anything in life can be taken too far. Um, and sometimes we mask it with other things because we don't want to like face the truth. Um, so I, I think it was really brave of them to do that. Um, so did you eventually seek professional help for your eating disorder? I did. So I was, um, I was very selective about who I wanted to help me. Um, my, so that happened with the school counselor and then school ended. So I kind of continued the summer and I was able to kind of get away with not eating, kind of sneaking around. Um, and then my dad finally um, confronted me and said, you, you really need to go see a doctor and just make sure that you're okay. And so I went and saw my primary care physician and he told me to start eating small meals um, six times a day. And I was not about that. Like I was only eating once or twice a day, like maybe 500 calories a day. Yeah. Um, like, less than that. Don't come in here telling me to eat six meals a day. Like that is just like that like turns you off, right? You're like sure. Yeah. Whoa. And I and I think that um, you know, my view of treatment and what works for me, um, there's a lot of different options out there for eating disorder recovery. And I think I've been blessed to kind of like be sprinkled around and get a little taste of all of them. 
Um, but that was definitely like, I was like, no, like this doctor is not going to, you know, tell me to go from zero to a hundred. Like I'm not eating six times a day. Like that freaks me out. And it just, it just made it worse. And so, um, I ended up, it was also recommended that I find, um, like a mental health therapist, not just a primary care physician. Yeah. And so I, um, yeah, I met my therapist at the time, um, who introduced me to kind of like the harm and risk reduction model, which was basically, she's like, look, I don't, I don't care how you do it. Find a way that works for you. Um, I just want to see the results on the scale. Um, and so that's when I started doing little tiny things, just adding in extra calories. Um, it was really hard at first, but I, at first I just started adding like a drink to every meal that I had. So if I was eating one meal a day, then I would add a glass of orange juice and that would give me an extra, you know, one or 200 calories. Um, and then it progressed to like the ensure, um, protein shakes. And I was doing those three times a day. Um, and then I do, I would take like a spoonful of peanut butter, um, which is like a hundred calories. Yeah. Um, and I took it like medicine and, um, it really worked well for me because, you know, people's anorexia looks different. I've met people who have anorexia, but they would just prefer to eat like carrots all day or like air popped popcorn where yeah. you can eat a lot of, food, yeah. but you're yeah. not consuming calories. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was size of the food that was scary. Yeah. So I would have a smaller portion mm. that was more caloric. Yeah. Like super dense. Cause like in a scoop full of peanut butter, you can get a hundred plus calories, um, versus like air popcorn. Like literally, I think it's like two cups or like a cup and a half is like a hundred calories of that, like naked brand. Um, so it takes oh, yeah. a lot to like eat, you know, okay. That makes sense. Whoa. I didn't know that about how different they can be. Super interesting. Um, okay. Wow. And I love that the loose parameters of like, your therapist didn't care about how you did it. Just like do it because like at the end of the day, the scale will tell, um, you know, will tell us how everything is, um, unfolding. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge, uh, huge game changer. And I think that, you know, eating disorders are all about control and, Mm -hmm. um, it's important to have a sense of control in your life. And, um, there's healthy ways, um, that people take control and there are unhealthy ways that people take control. Um, but for me, I don't do well when I have control stripped away from me. I, um, went to an inpatient facility, not actually for my eating disorder, but because I had a history of an eating disorder, I was kind mm-hmm. of lumped into that. And that was a facility that made you, uh, we all sat together and you had to clear your entire plate. And like the restrooms were locked for half an hour after meals. And like, that was really traumatizing. I was yeah. over my eating disorder by that. Um, yeah. I won't say over, I don't think I'm really going to be over, over it, but, but I was eating at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Good spot. But I was like able to like, like, how does this work for people? Like that is just traumatizing. And how is that going to be sustainable, you know, moving forward? Cause realistically, I think you need to listen to your body. And sometimes it means eating your whole plate and having seconds. And sometimes it means, you know, nibbling on a few bites and leaving it at that. And then, you know, eating something later. So, 
Um, I just, I'm really a big advocate advocate for the harm and risk reduction and finding someone who is going to work with you um, and just finding what works and, and doing it. Yeah. Whoa. That's so powerful. I love that you just said uh, sustainability because um, I'm a health, it's crazy. I'm a health coach now, but I think you go through a lot of like shit and then you realize that like you can overcome it. And then you're like, whoa, I can help so many other people, you know, overcome all of their health issues or their mindset around food and things like that. So, um, it's been really fun to turn my pain point into a passion. Um, but where was I going with this? Um, sustainability. That's right. Um, so you've got to create the habits for sustainable, you know, living, because like you said, this, you know, being inpatient, they're, you know, eating every meal there. Did you stay there? It sounds like inpatient. You're like sleeping there. So I was so averted to the process. It was an inpatient place. I was supposed to be sleeping there. Um, but there were a lot of other, um, complications going on, like me not mentally being able to commit to my safety. And, um, it was wild, but I just like, I, I did not like the place. We'll just say that it did not work for me. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think you, once again, you'd have to find what works for you because this won't last forever. The goal is to like, get you out of there and back into like normal life. Um, so if you can't create that pattern in those habits there, like, I don't think it's doing you much good, um, you know, getting you out to the real world. So I love that you had to like kind of shop around and find someone who works for you. I was actually talking about that on a podcast that came out today about asking for help. And I was, chatting about therapy because I think therapy is, it's been a game changer in my life. And I don't know, working on your mental health is I think a priceless thing that people can do. Um, and sometimes it's like dating. You kind of got to go through a couple of therapists to like figure out, okay, Ooh, I don't like that one. I don't like what they do here. And it's like, Oh, I do. I do like that style. And you kind of have to like figure out what you like and sometimes more importantly, what you don't like. So I think that's really, really important. Um, so let's kind of jump into therapy. How has therapy helped you with your um, eating disorder? Yeah. So, um, I've actually been through a lot of different therapies. Um, I start the, and talking about, you know, speaking about a therapist, um, I think there's something to say about different seasons in your life. And sometimes Mm -hmm. a certain it's that season better than others. So my therapist who treated my eating disorder, I mean, she was a goddess to me. Like she was amazing. So real. Um, she was so like straight to the point. Um, in one of my YouTube videos, I talked about the fact that she had told me like, Kaylin, if you don't put weight on, you're going to start growing fur. And I was shook about that. Ah, and, um, I think, you know, we might talk about this later, but it's, it's a real thing. And, um, it's something that happens to your body when you lose all of your fat your body grows hair to try and keep you warm. Yeah. Um, And there's a really great movie that, um, I love that I'll recommend at the end. Um, but they talk about it in the movie too. And, um, it's just this bizarre thing. So she would tell me things like that. And she would tell me like, you know, she was very straight up with me. 
Um, but she was also so loving and caring at the same time. Um, you know, she even said to me at one point that, you know, she was asking me, you know, do you like the way you look? Um, and, and, and she even said, she's like, you look like you just came out of Auschwitz. And, um, and, you know, some people would be like, what a bitch, like, you yeah. don't her. like, that's crazy. But I was so conditioned to having the people in my life just kind of tiptoe around the issue. Mm. I really met somebody who was like, going to look me in the eyes and be like, this is life or death. Like, if you aren't going to do this, like, this is what's going to happen. And nobody else in my life was willing to take yeah. that initiative and just kind of tell me like it was. Um, mm. So I really appreciated that. Um, you know, kind of patient therapist relationship. Yeah. Whoa. Um, I love that. I think that sometimes we get in these mindsets too of like, they literally have to kind of scare you straight. Otherwise like change won't happen. I'm, I'm fairly similar of like, I didn't realize that I had a problem until I saw 123 pounds on the scale. And for me, I'd never seen 123 pounds on the scale in my life. Like I looked down, I was like shaking. I literally was freaked out because I was like, oh my God, like this shouldn't be like this. And I had to like scare myself straight to change my habits because I wasn't seeking professional help. But like, I also now have a counselor and we kind of work through these things, but she kind of lays it on me thick because a lot of people in my life weren't telling me, you know, straight up, like just beating around the bush or even worse, people were giving me compliments of like, oh, you look so good. You're so thin. And so like, it's such a mind F that when people are telling you, oh my gosh, you look so good. You look so good. But on the inside, you are dying, rotting, and just like not good inside. But yo, you're getting that (laughs) external validation. Like I'm just going to continue on with my habits. So that was really, really hard. Um, especially when I started to put weight on and like now I sit around 150, which is crazy because like that was my high school weight. (laughs) Um, and so it's, it's hard when you start gaining weight and then you like lose the compliments, but it's like, would you rather be healthy or like get the compliments? You know, you're so torn. It's really, really hard. Um, wow. I'm so glad that you mentioned, um, okay. Do you still see a therapist today for like mental health? I do. So I'm in, oh, my phone here. I'm in this amazing program that I would really recommend to a lot of people who have tried um, maybe a different kinds of therapy and haven't had much success with it. Um, but it's called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. What's and it called? Sorry. Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Ooh, okay. Tell me all about it. Yeah, so it, um, it was originally written by a woman who had borderline personality disorder. And um, that was one of the diagnoses that kind of floated around for me. Um, I still don't know for sure whether I have it or I don't. Um, I really try not to label myself with certain diagnoses because I think that, um, you know, when you say I I have borderline or, you know, I am a borderline, you take on that identity and you almost aren't able to move forward because you just say that this is who 
Yes. And I can't ever come out of it because some doctor has labeled me, you know, right. this. Oh my, I love that, that you're saying this. <laughs> Thanks. So um, DBT is basically like all of the classes that you wish you had in school of like, how do I deal with interpersonal conflict? Like, how do I take care of myself? How do I ask for help when I need it? Um, you know, how can I soothe myself when I'm feeling stressed? What do I do if I feel suicidal or that, or I want to harm myself? Um, and it's a really intensive therapy. Um, I did it, I'm in Oregon. So, um, I do it through the Portland DBT Institute. Um, and it's a three day a week therapy. There's, um, two group sessions a week for an hour. And then I have an individual session for an hour and we have homework. So it's like a really intense program, um, but I have learned so many skills um, to kind of just like pull out of my toolbox. Um, and I and they have a um, they have an eating disorder specific kind of program within DBT. Um, I'm not dealing, you know, um, super seriously with my eating disorder right now. I have it under control. Um, I'm using it further. Um, for other kind of mental health challenges, um, but I think that it's kind of one of those that you can go into it with any addiction and anxiety, um, eating disorder, and the skills are kind of like uh, they fit for everything. Like there's really a skill for everything. I feel like. Whoa, I'm so obsessed about this program. I'll definitely link everything that we're talking about in the show notes so people can um, get connected if they feel um, called to it. But I love therapy in terms of it, it, like you said, it gives you the skills that we never got growing up or, you know, we didn't have in school. Like they don't teach you how to like manage anxiety in public school. Like what? Um, so like I am learning so many things through my therapist, you know, we meet weekly or every other week and I get homework. Like it's exactly like school, but it's these skills that, like you said, they go in your tool belt and it's so crazy how they work because like when you're finally in that situation, you're like, I know how to manage this. And like, you can actually, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, you can like work yourself. Like I usually work myself up with anxiety. And so like, I can bring myself back down and like, everything's all good. And whereas before I wouldn't be able to do that. I could go days or, you know, like fluctuate or be very snappy and all these things. But now I can really, I have the awareness to pull myself out of these, um, moods or behaviors that I kind of get stuck in sometimes. Um, so I think it's so, so, so important that people, um, you know, check in with a mental health, um, you know, professional, like often, I think a lot of people could benefit from therapy. Um, but I think there's this bad stigma around mental health and seeing a counselor or a therapist. And so people never kind of take the step to go do it. Cause like when I first started, like, oh my gosh, I used to sit outside my counselor's office and I would just like sit there until like the last minute. And I'm like, ugh, I don't want to go in. And now it's changed to like, I get so excited because I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about all the things and I'm just going to feel really good after. Um, and so I think it's just something you kind of have to practice. Like, you know, 
volleyball, you didn't just show up and become this amazing player. Like you had to practice, like think about all of the hours that we have spent at practice or, you know, playing all these things. I think the same can go for mental health. Um, like it takes practice to, you know, manage our mental health. And sometimes we didn't get a, you know, start until for me, it was in my like 20. So like 20 years of not being able to manage my mental health beforehand. Um, so I'm trying to give myself more grace and be kinder to myself and have more compassion and just all these things so that I can show up as a better version of myself. So I'm loving that you are, you know, an advocate for therapy as well. Um, and kind of moving into some inner child work, um, you have been doing some more like getting back to your inner child of, are you like painting? Is that right? Um, so how has getting back to your inner child helped you now in the present? Definitely. So, um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, anorexia itself, um, and there's this, I just can't say enough about this movie, um, To the Bone with Lily Collins. It's on Netflix. Um, and she has her own sort of inner child complex. And, and I won't spoil it, but there's this beautiful, beautiful scene where she just really goes back to her inner child and her relationship with her mother. Um, but I think that, you know, anorexia is so metaphorical. Um, I mean, your body literally shrinks back to, I mean, I looked like I was 12, you know, I didn't have any boobs, no butt anymore, you know, no, um, no sexuality, no femininity left. It was just kind of stripped down to the bone. And, um, you know, there wasn't a lot I could, could do. I couldn't go and do the same things that kids my age were doing. You know, I, I wasn't in a relationship, um, anymore. I wasn't playing volleyball anymore. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't partying. Um, so I really had to kind of use my resources of what was around me and get back to, you know, what do I love to do? Um, something that I loved, like all of my pictures of me when I'm younger, it seems like I'm curled up with the book. And um, that was something that I really lost touch with when I got super busy with volleyball. Um, and so I um, actually got a job at the local public library um, my senior year, and that was really cool to be able to go through my recovery working there. And I was just, you know, pushing my cart and shelving the books and smelling, you know, all the wonderful library smells. And it was uh. just so, um, it was so like such a peaceful way to um, recover. Yeah. I feel like, um, and I did get into um, some drawing, which I had never really been into even when I was younger, but it, um, it was, you know, um, I got, really into like my colored pencils and my sketchbook. And, yeah. um, I just really did to my creative side, um, that I had really kind of not had an outlet for, um, when I was playing volleyball really intensely and, you know, managing social relationships and romantic relationships. Um, so it really brought me back to, you know, who am I to the core? You know, what, what do I love to do? Whoa. I love that. I feel like the library, I love the library in college. That was like my sanctuary. It's like you could catch me at the library with a cup of coffee and just like studying or doing my thing. Cause like it's quiet. So serene. I love it. Um, okay. So I have to ask you, what are some of your favorite books? Maybe like top three. 
Oh my gosh. I, well, I don't have a lot of time or I don't make a lot of time to read. We'll say that. Um, some of my favorite authors though, um, I read a lot of Nicholas Sparks when I was mm. in high school. Love. Um, yeah, like a lot. Like I think I read every single one of his books. Um, and I really, really like John Green, like looking for Alaska, the fault in our stars. Mm. Um, one of my most favorite books, um, and it really kind of hones in on mental health too. And it actually does touch on eating disorder awareness, um, is a book by Wally Lamb. It's called She's Come Undone. Um, and it actually focuses on her, um, more of a binge eating disorder, Mm -hmm. um, which then kind of morphs into, um, its own, you know, it morphs and changes as the story goes on. Um, but that is definitely one of my favorite books. I actually have like a tattoo idea, um, spurred from reading that book. I love it. Oh my gosh. I've, um, over the last like few years, like I've picked up books and I literally cannot get enough of them. Cause I feel like it just like, it takes you to another world and you can just like slow down and you don't have to focus on whatever's going on up here. Like you can just focus on the books. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Um, and I think getting into like sketching and drawing and like being okay with being a beginner is huge. Um, because I think sometimes we get so far into like these things that we once loved, like for example, volleyball, like we were, you like, we did all the things we did high school, we did club, we were doing camps, you know, you're so far into it. You're like working towards like mastery. Right. But I think it takes more to drop everything and like start over and just be willing to be a beginner and being okay with that and like learning how to learn all over again and like learning, you know, what you like to do and who you really are. Um, Because I think when we get caught up kind of too lost in the sauce and too far into things, we kind of like lose who we are. And I think high school is a really hard time and young adulthood even we are growing, we're maturing, we're like, you know, changing all the time. I think it's really, really hard to figure out who you are and who you're trying to change into, you know, grow into. Um, So I think it's important to hang on to those things that, you know, your inner child of things that, you know, you love to do. Um, I think it helps kind of keep the peace and keeps you really, really grounded. Um, I love that. Okay, cool. So we covered movies and books and just about all the things. Um, Did I miss anything? What else can I add in here? I think that, you know, just what has been on my mind about it lately. I I feel like it has been really, really powerful for me to, like, I dealt with the depths of my eating disorder like seven years ago. And um, I always kind of knew like, okay, I have a goal here. Um, I want to speak to other people. I want to inspire them. I want to remove the stigma. Um, and the time just like never really came until it came and it was just like, all right, this is, this is your time. You need to just, to just put yourself out there. Um, and it's, it was actually something that I decided to do working with my therapist, like, um, 
you know, we were working on something called alternate alternative rebellion. And basically it's finding ways like, how can I prove my point? How can I um, say what I want to say in a way that's not going to be harmful to me? So if you look at my eating disorder, you know, I was trying to say something. I was trying to say that I was hurting. I was trying to say that something wasn't right. You know, I was trying to say that, um, you know, I, I needed to go back to that childhood place. Um, so that was kind of an unhealthy way of putting my point across. Um, and so, you know, reaching the point of like, okay, well, how can we channel this energy into something that is positive? Um, and I really think that it's been so helpful for me to go back and like revisit those times, mm -hmm. um, even really painful, but to just be in a place of reflection about it. Um, and then I just want to speak super quickly to like the power of, um, you know, body positivity. And mm. one of my favorite things that I ever did was um, I did a boudoir photo shoot um, after I had my son. My son was about a year old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. And so I just wanted to celebrate my body for exactly where it was at, you know, a year after having a baby, um, you know, uh, just, you know, just for exactly where I was at. And I didn't do any crazy dieting before the photo shoot or anything. I just went and picked out clothes that fit me right then and right there. And, um, and I did this photo shoot and it was so awesome. And so I've kind of been percolating on, um, on doing another one. Um, because yeah, my weight has fluctuated a lot and I actually don't love, um, the place, the weight that I'm in, but I think that it's so important to just like embrace it and acknowledge like what our bodies can do for us. Like you were saying, you know, it, if I hadn't been so focused on my body image, um, you know, being a volleyball player and I was focused on, you know, being effective and, and being, um, you know, an, you know, a more skilled athlete, um, my volleyball career would have looked a lot different. Um, so yeah, just finding ways to appreciate your body for what it does for you and, um, what you have, and then even doing, taking some photos or even just to keep them for yourself or give them to your partner and have it be a fun, you know, intimate thing, um, I think is, is just really powerful. Um, and doing it like with other people, if you don't want to do it by yourself, you know, get a group of girlfriends together, um, put on a fun dress, you know, do your makeup if you want to do a no makeup photo shoot if you want yeah. to. Uh, yeah. This is amazing. I think I love that you said it's amazing what our bodies can do because exactly that. I think at one point I have been so thin and sick and unhealthy, but now it's like, it's crazy to see how the body can one transform and change when you consistently put some work into it. And now I'm strong. I'm healthy. I can like, I love to like thank my body for being able to run miles or do th just like these small things that I totally took for granted before. Um, but you really, really, really do have to like thank your body because you never know what could happen. But I think we have to just like be gracious of like what we can do right now and like mm -hmm. not, I don't know, not worry about the small stuff of like, okay, I know, like even just yesterday I was complaining about, I'm like, oh, I don't love how like my clothes fit right now. But like, I'm so thankful that, you know, I can still do all the things that I want to do and like I can 
I don't know, I'm like training for a triathlon right now so that I can swim, bike and run where if I was still sick, I wouldn't be able to do those things that bring me joy now. And so like, yeah, I'm like carrying an extra few pounds, but like, who cares at the end of the day? Like it doesn't define me. It doesn't, you know, no one thinks of me different because I'm carrying an extra 10 pounds. Like who cares? Um, so I think it's like learning to love yourself at any weight. Um, because at the end of the day, it's only you and you got to like love yourself. So I love that you did a boudoir shot. That's so freaking cool. That just gave me a bunch of ideas. Um, I will definitely have to rally up some friends and like do a fun photo shoot. I think think that'd be really fun. Um, cool. So where can we connect with you and watch your YouTube videos? For sure. Um, so I actually kind of stumbled on doing YouTube on accident. I did want to just keep it on Facebook because I thought um, that's where it would be easiest to access like my friends and family. Um, but technology and the video was too long. And so I just had to post it on YouTube. Um, and you know, I'm in a way I'm kind of glad because that means that people that maybe might not be in my inner circle, um, will be able to see it. So I like, didn't even take the time to make a creative name. Like I just wanted to put my video out there. So, um, my channel is literally just called Kaylin Griffiths right now. Um, maybe I'll something, um, um, but I'm pretty good about accepting um, friend requests from people on Facebook as well, especially if we have um, like a mutual friend. I don't know if there's a way on oh, Facebook cool. to say like, yeah. hey, the podcast or like send me oh, a message. Yeah. Okay. Something. Um, and you can totally add me on Facebook, but I'll, um, I'll probably plan on trying to post all of my videos, um, to YouTube as well. Oh, cool. I love that. Okay. Awesome. Um, I'll be sure to kind of link everything below in the show notes so people can find you. Cause I think you're an excellent resource, um, to share your experience and how people can get help and get healthy. So, I'm so glad we had this chat. It was amazing. It was everything. It was so emotional. It was informative. I loved it. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that we were able to connect and do this. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I, and I do want to say I have nothing but the fondest memories of you like back in the day, like you just had such a light and such a positive energy. And, you know, I've always thought that. So it's been really awesome to, um, see a little bit of what you're doing and get to know you a little bit more even throughout this process um, is just really awesome. So I'm super proud of you. Oh, thank you. And likewise, it's so funny. I was kind of sitting here before and I was like, I can remember like your laugh on and just like everyone just kind of like goofing around at volleyball. And I just remember how amazing like your hands were. I was like, oh my God, her sets are so pretty. Like, <laughs> And I was like, wow, oh it's God. like crazy the things that you remember from like decades ago, right? Uh, I love that. Well, yeah. I'm glad that you're doing so well. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Allie. Thank you for listening to the Allie McGee podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at AllieMcGee.com. And follow me on Instagram at AllieMcGee underscore.